0: Hello and welcome to Gradually, Gradually, Then Suddenly, an interview series with leaders in higher education, healthcare, and technology to discuss the current issues and how data and technology are shaping our world. My name is Tommy Andriola, and I'm the Vice Chancellor of Information, Technology, and Data at the University of California at Irvine. My guest today is Abby Sears, CEO of OCHIN, a nonprofit healthcare innovation center designed to provide knowledge solutions that promote quality, affordable healthcare for all. OCHIN is nationally recognized for their work in health equity. Full disclosure: I have been on the board at OCHIN since 2017. Abby, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be able to sit here and have a conversation with you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So. Tell us a little bit more about Ocean.
1: Sure, I'd love to. We've been around for 20 years. We're a not-for-profit health IT organization, which is a little bit of a unique bird. Um, What we focus on is advancing technology. We have a large research division, and we do a lot of um, deep technical assistance. We touch about 500 organizations, both urban and rural, all across the country. Uh, We touch about 20,000 providers in 47 states. Uh, We have 5 million um, patients that are actively being seen across our network. And they're some of the most complex and diverse patients in the country. About 50% are at or below the federal poverty level and they come from some of the most vulnerable patients such as women, children, um, black, indigenous, and people of color communities.
0: Yeah. So you've been with OCHIN from the very beginning. And since being on the board, I've been so impressed with the way the organization is run, the mission. In your 20 years with OCHIN and serving this mission, where have you felt we've made progress on health equity and where do we still have a lot of work to do?
1: Well, there are a couple places that that I think come to mind around where progress has been made. One is to be able to deploy a product like Epic into environments um, such as community health centers, mental health departments, corrections, youth authorities. I I think that's a privilege to be able to take the quality of the products and be able to make sure there's not a have and have not related to technology, as well as bringing subsidies for broadband and creating access in rural areas. So I think that in those ways, I think we're making a lot of progress. The other ways I think we're making progress are being able to capture data on this patient population and to use data to actually be able to describe what's going on. I think that those are really powerful examples. I think being innovative and being some of the first organizations to be doing some of the most innovative work across the country on behalf of this patient population is also a real success factor. I think where we haven't been able to make some of the really significant differences we'd like to see is to really see significant changes in outcomes um, in a large aggregated way. Uh, What we do see is we're being able to maybe control some of the chronic diseases that our patient population has. We're being able to keep them out of the emergency room where we haven't been able to in the past, but wouldn't it be great if they didn't have those chronic diseases and have the significant rates of the social factors and challenges that our patient population has, that's where I think we have a lot long way to go to preventing those from even existing in the first place.
0: And I think if uh, if we pivot to the let's say the two biggest topics on the minds of Americans today, that being COVID and uh, anti-blackness, Ochin came out very early with some communication with your membership, you know, with the board and sharing some really glaring statistics, like in your clinics that you're supporting, it's two and a half more times likely for an African-American to have a positive diagnosis of COVID. I love that uh, you came out, you know, with such a strong statement. I mean, have you had reactions to some of those statements? And is it something you expected or were there unexpected aspects to coming out and being so vocal about it?
1: We've only had really good um, outcomes from actually the data that we've been presenting about all of this. We're being asked to present more and more on the national front. I think we have some of the most robust data um, that exists on this patient population. And so people are asking us to come in and talk about what we're experiencing. And I think that's really good, but the proof will be in the pudding around what that actually um, can translate into something being different. And that's where I, I think we're starting to really ask ourselves, okay, where can we present, where can we get this information into the right hands at the right place? And to really have the largest impact around creating a more equitable playing field for everyone in the country around healthcare access.
0: Yeah, as you said earlier, you know, you're a tech company at the end of the day and, and mm-hmm. the data that OGin has on its membership is, you know, very, very diverse. It also is representative across the entire U.S. What are you finding that you're able to do with the data and and how are you presenting opportunities to do research around that data that is different from what other organizations can do?
1: Great question. We were one of the first organizations to implement uh, electronic case reporting, which creates the ability for public health agencies around the country to get access to our clinical data on our patients around positive COVID testing. Immediately. Uh, It moves in a real time way and it's accessible to everyone at the same time. And so, being able to do that and show that it can happen and to show that innovation and pave a way for all of healthcare to do that has been really powerful and I think transformational as a change agent. We see ourselves as a change agent. So, that's one example, and we do a lot of things that are very similar to that. On the research front, What we have the ability to do is really do great comparative effectiveness studies and also get down to granularity around um, food insecurity, geography, educational challenges.
0: So those social determinants of health that we all talk about, you have real data that you're able to dig into?
1: Correct. So we can take the research, the healthcare research that everyone does, and we can take it to a whole other level related to our ability to show impact related to different social factors as well and that's a very unique capability that not very many organizations have at our level or have across the entire country the
0: way that we do that that makes ocean truly different is the fact that it's representative across the entire country where if you look at you know for example the organization i'm a part of the university of california We've got great diversity that we can look at in our data, but it is only California at the end of the day, you know, it's the largest state from a population perspective, but as you know, from your data set, you know, there are real regional differences and depending on the politics of the state and, and also the unique economy that each state has.
1: It's been great to look at whether somebody um, expands Medicaid or doesn't expand Medicaid and what are the disparities or the, the ethnic diversities of the different states and how does that impact um, outcomes. And so we have just such a robust data set that we're building partnerships all over the country. And it's really important that people are accessing this data set so that we can really see what's going on with our our public policies and with the investments in healthcare that we're making as a nation.
0: Has that put OCHE in a position where it's getting more involved in commenting and providing input into public policy?
1: Absolutely. It wasn't something we did in our first um, 10 to 15 years in the in the way that we are now, but we have such a unique voice and such a unique lens. There are very few of us in the country that can communicate some of what we're seeing And we see it as a real social responsibility to be communicating what's going well, what isn't going well, and prioritizing what might be most helpful as well.
0: Right, right. Let's turn the diversity lens on ourselves. Um, You know, I've been in my career part of the technology sector in one way, shape, or form, Um, helping organizations bring technology to use, consulting, and To me, the technology sector has been one of the most undiverse of any function, if you look at the numbers. Uh, I've been involved in healthcare and and higher education conversations, talking about that fact and how we need to do a better job. You run a tech company, you're a woman. Would you be willing to share some of your experiences about what that's been like and, and what do you think we need to do better at?
1: Well, that is a great question. I think I don't mean that... to put you
0: on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot, <laughs> Um,
1: You know what I think it's really done is, um, one, I feel real responsibility for women leaders. I think of my daughter and I think of the other young women out there that you can be a successful female in a technology-driven organization. And I love that I get to do that, and I love that I get to show that it is possible. Um, so I find that part one of the best parts of my job. No leader, anyone that I know, doesn't get to where they're at, one from hard work, but mostly because somebody gave you an opportunity. And that, that opportunity, somebody opened the door, and people have been supporting me along the way. And I feel like it's really important that I create an environment that does that for other people as well. And the other thing I think it's really taught me is to think about who's the right person to have which conversation at which time and to kind of set aside your ego as much as you can to send out the right person to different environments and to different meetings. And so I've gotten, I think, better and better about thinking about who the right person is to be communicating Um, whatever message we need to be sending. And I think that's a skill set that's important. And I don't think that's just a male or a female. And the last thing I'd say is I tend to just not see things in gender ways. I I think I just had a really great upbringing with a very strong um, mother that told me there was nothing that you can't do. So I don't think about it when I go out. I just think about what's most important, which is the mission of what we're trying to accomplish. And if I can't get at it straight on, I will go at it sideways or on another way, or I'll wait until the timing is the right timing for somebody to hear the conversation that we're trying to have.
0: Do you look at things through your past where, you know, as a woman uh, technology leader, you felt those slights and those comments uh, along the way that that you had to brush off and and push past?
1: Absolutely. I remember when I was a chemist before I became a a, a leader, I used to sit in a, a male room of chemists and the guy next to me would repeat what I said every time and he would be heard and I wouldn't. And it used to just drive me crazy, but you can't let those things get to you. You just, you've got to be thinking about what you're trying to accomplish and not lose sight of the end goal. Um, Cause that's way more important than however that felt in that moment.
0: Yeah. I know. Yeah. I have a daughter of my own and we try to talk to her about these things. She wants to go in the medicine of, of all fields and then try to impart some of what I think she'll experience along the way saying, I don't believe that it's right, but I think you're going to experience people out there who are going to put you down try to keep you in a place. And that you have to have the persistence to push through that? And as I talked to my colleagues about this, it's kind of trying to have her not be surprised when it happens, because especially I think, um, um, you know, for her growing up, there's been nothing but supportive comment about you can do, you know, the the world is your oyster, and that won't always be the case. And so you know just trying to prepare her for some of those realities is something I try to do. I don't know if any of it sinks in, but, you know. But. Very true. All right. Got one more question for you. It is uh, the one that every one of our guests gets. I tell the story, you know, was, uh, I came across this philosophy that was shared actually with one of, one of my children about the concept of small incremental improvements that he, he called the 1% better model. This has to do with a little league baseball coach talking to his kids about The goal of practice is to get 1% better at this game. And over the course of the season, you'll see so much improvement. You'll be so much better player. And I just have adopted that model for myself. And I actually have found it a tremendously powerful concept in leadership as I've been responsible for larger organizations and basically saying, if I can instill the concept of a 1% better model into this large group of People, it can actually create a you know a wave of change for the organization in terms of where we're trying to go. So I'm trying to apply this now to you know the concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion, health inequities. I guess around the topics we're talking today, you know, if we talk about health inequities, what are the maybe one, two, or three things you can leave? for the people who listen to this podcast that they can take on for personal accountability to go out and make a difference around health inequity or better health equity every day. What can you leave our, our listeners to? Another great question. A I try of- to only come up with good questions, Abby. For you, <laughs> only for you though, just for you. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think there are a couple of things. One, I have this real belief that we can do more related to workforce. We can do more about being flexible and creative around creating opportunities. A lot of poverty comes from um, single mothers or disabilities, um, mental health issues. Situations where it's very difficult. So, how do we create a work environment where we have more flexibility and we're more welcoming of those situations? So, I think about that. And I would really challenge us as employers to be more creative and be more patient and be more open because I think that that would go a long way around creating healthcare access until we have healthcare access for all in this country. It comes from employers and employers have to do more. And I think we can do more. And we have to be willing to take maybe less profit or less pay or repurpose some of the pay to create those that type of an environment. And that I'm really passionate around that. I don't know anyone that is born into the world that doesn't want to be a meaningful citizen in their world. And we don't make that easy. Um, So I would start with, that's one thing. And then the second I would say is, how do we make sure that healthcare is a right? Because if you're not healthy, I don't know how you go to school to become educated, to be able to be part of the workforce. People need to feel like they're healthy and that is mind, body, and spirit. Um, not just the physical components of it. And if we don't start to unravel these social factors that are creating barriers to strong healthcare, like transportation issues where telehealth can be such an important component. So we've got to embrace telehealth. We've got to embrace the technology that we are deploying um, in the world. And the last thing, I would say is that I would challenge us as technologists in the technology industry to be more socially competent and more sensitive to cultural differences because we're simply not. So um, the tools need to be at the right educational level. The tools need to be more sensitive to language issues and barriers and and to different populations that um, feel different about Western and Eastern medicine approaches. So that's what we need to be able to blend all of that and not have the silos of the thinking that we have in IT.
0: Abby, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to serve on, on your board, Abby, for the last uh, three plus years now. And, and there's a, a saying from uh, my professional career, one of my mentors, you know, he um, his name is Steve Roskowski. He was CEO of Phillips Healthcare when I worked there. And he used to say, the more we do, the more good we do talking about, you know, the role in healthcare. When I think of Ocean and the important role that they play and all the discussions we have at your board meetings, I just keep coming back to the more Ocean does, the more good they do. And so thank you for everything you're doing at Ocean. Thank you for joining us here today. And we look forward to hearing more from you in the future.
1: Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk today.